the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And if you haven't done so, download the uh, free WFMD app from um, the uh, the uh, Apple uh, App Store or Android App Store. And uh, you can have all of the programming right at your fingertips. I am Chris Murray, your host of the Your Financial Editor program. Thanks so much for being with us. Hope your weekend's going well. Good programming for you. Really interesting top stories, economic data. Joining me in just a little bit to talk about the disruption in the uh, food supply chain Uh Friend of the program, Mr. Uh, Bullard, is going to be joining us from uh, Billings, Montana, and we're going to be talking about uh, the meat industry in particular. We've seen prices skyrocket. Obviously, we've seen problems as far as availability. Uh, so a whole lot to get caught up on there as to what's what's really happening. And, you know, inflation in general is just uh, it continues to rage. Uh, it's front burner for uh, many, many people, probably most people. Um, And it's one of those things that um, some people try to talk it down. Uh, We've been talking about the uh, appearance and the climbing uh, percentage of inflation. We started back in the spring uh, and we started dismissing what the Federal Reserve was saying using the word transitory or the administration uh, saying, uh, the chief of staff saying it only impacts rich people. Uh, Just all of these incorrect and misleading uh, statements that were put out there, we uh, really tried to torpedo those as quickly uh, as possible to let people know what was coming down the pike. So what we see is uh, inflation continuing to increase. Uh, The average price of a gallon of gasoline in the U.S. has been on the rise for the first two weeks of uh, 2022 um, and really jumping uh, this past week. Um, You've got uh, the national average. I think it's over a dollar a gallon higher than just a year ago, uh, according to Gas Buddy, the data that I saw this week. Uh, Prices are projected to climb even higher and um, again, Gas Buddy, what I saw, they were expecting the national average could surge to $4 a gallon uh, in the uh, spring or by spring, I should say. Uh, you have a former Federal Reserve official. Uh, he was the Federal Reserve president of the Bank of New York saying this week that Americans' inflation fears, um, you know, continue to, uh, to, to be a, a real problem. And that um, the the uh, interest rates that they're considering raising. I'm sorry, it wasn't the president of uh, the New York Bank. It was former Kansas City uh, Federal Reserve president and CEO. His name is Thomas uh, Honig. Um, but he was saying that prices are going to remain high. Um, he sees this as a real problem. Former White House economist, um, he was the uh, Council of Economic Advisors acting chairman. His name is Tyler Goodspeed. I saw him arguing this week that the Federal Reserve is so far behind the curve that three interest rate hikes won't be enough to 
combat inflation in 2022. So, you know, this is something, again, that we've been talking about. The Federal Reserve was um, way too slow to uh, start to acknowledge, be honest about this issue, and now uh, prepare the table so that we can uh, try to figure out how much and how quickly they're going to raise interest rates to try to get prices stable again. Um, you know, the the survey that came out um, from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York this week showed that the median expectation is that inflation, that uh, rate one year from now, will still be up 6% from where it is now. That's the highest uh, level for the gauge since they started taking uh, this data into uh, consideration. So, um, you know, we got a couple inflation reports this week that I'll be speaking about uh, in, in, in just a couple minutes. But, you know, this is, uh, this is really serious. And like I always uh, not only remind myself, but remind uh, the folks that I talk with and obviously here on the program or if I'm writing an article or whatever it might be, is that inflation is like it's that thing that's so boring to think about. It's like a black hole and your eyes kind of glaze over. But when it starts to really rage like we've seen this year, um, you notice how immediate the impact is and how serious it is, especially for poor people, people on fixed incomes uh, that don't really have a lot of um, wiggle room. So if you want to go to work and you're paying a dollar more per gallon of gasoline than you were a year ago, that's a serious issue. If you notice that these food prices are skyrocketing, that's a real problem. That's, that's immediate. If you notice your rent going up, that's a serious issue that you have to deal with. If you need some clothing you, and you see how much apparel has gone up, then you're obviously you're being impacted, right? This is something that impacts people immediately. And it's been like when they said it was transitory and it's not going to stay around. And we said that was a bunch of baloney. Um, and unfortunately we were right. I, I mean, I wish I could tell you that I was wrong and apologize for getting it wrong, but we kind of saw the writing on the wall and this is continuing. And all we get is excuses. Um, and by the way, we, like I said, we see inflation raging if that last spending bill would have been passed in December, then all bets would have been off. I mean, you would have had inflation through the roof because there's already too much money sloshing around out there thanks to the Federal Reserve and thanks to overspending by uh, the House and the administration and they want to spend more. And you have to remember, a lot of that spending that's already been approved, it hasn't even left the gate yet. So them wanting to spend more, which is just all political, it's not about helping anybody. Um, 
It's not about the you know doing the right thing for the country. It, it's it's just the opposite. You know, it's a power and money grab. Um, so fortunately, the last piece didn't get done. Hopefully, no other uh, spending will be approved um, because, we, like I said, we've got all of this money just sloshing around. You got the Federal Reserve. Uh, I think they're at about nine trillion dollars on their balance sheet right now. So not only did they accumulate more than they should have, they have to unwind that. And what's that going to do to the markets? So uh, and the economy. So you know, it's it's one of these things that it's uh, it's real. It's impacting people in a horrible way. Some people. Um, and, uh, it's going to get worse. It sounds like, I mean, $4 a gallon on average for gasoline by springtime and others have even used uh, higher numbers. So we'll keep an eye on it. Um, but again, it's impacting people's livelihood on a daily basis and something else like, you know, we're talking about these retailers and not being able to keep things on the shelves and, um, raising prices and, you know, I've been to restaurants the last couple months where they just have stickers over the price. Um, and, you know, it says market price because they can't keep up with the change, the changes. Um, so the other thing I saw this week was um, Bert Flickinger. He's uh, the managing director for the Strategic Resource Group. And he basically was reminding us, and I had kind of forgotten about this, um, or I hadn't looked at it in this way, that the supply chain disruptions in empty shelves across America, um, that's going to get worse because crime and theft that we see on a daily basis is only going to worsen the, quote, proverbial retail wasteland, unquote, is what he called it, that shoppers are seeing now. So he was saying, look, people can't get their prescriptions filled at some pharmacies. And he said that crime is going to create a recession of unprecedented proportions between workers not being able to work, shoppers not being able to shop, and retailers not being able to sell because of the crime that we're seeing. Nowadays, you go in some places, they've got candy bars behind the glass locked doors. <laughs> this is... This is just insane, this lawlessness. So until these goofy elected and appointed officials get serious about crime, until they get serious, this is just going to get worse. And, you know, if you're a security guard in CVS or wherever and a group of thug thieves, lowlifes come in, to steal as much as they can and run out of the store, they're probably thinking about, obviously, number one, their own safety. But number two, if they do something bold to defeat that theft and end up hurting this uh, criminal, then they're going to get in trouble. And they themselves could end up in jail because everything is so upside down right now. So it doesn't make any sense. You know, the carjacking just... But again, back to the retailer side, all of the theft that's going on there and not being taken seriously, not being prosecuted, uh, the revolving door, if they are arrested, they're right back out. Um, it's, that all has to change 
Or, you know what, you're going to end up paying even more for everything because it always lands on the consumer. So, um, oh, and back to the Federal Reserve real quick. Federal Reserve Vice Chair uh, Richard Clarida, yesterday was his last day. And that's two weeks before his term was due to expire, but he stepped down. And that's because, you know, what we learned is that he had sold at least $1 million of shares in a U.S. stock mutual fund in February of 2020 before buying a similar amount of the same fund a few days later. And that was on the eve of a major central bank announcement, according to an amended financial disclosure. So Clarida has been a member of the board and vice chair since uh, September of 2018. And uh, he, along with a couple others at the Fed, a ton of, you know, I'm sure of people that we're hearing about now in Congress, uh, Pelosi in particular is being uh, targeted, which, you know, there was actually some legislation that was announced this week because of the conflict of interest. And, um, you know, I'm really glad we've been talking about her and her husband and their conflicts of interest um, all year. And certain, actually, we just talked about it last week. And certain positions that her husband takes uh, based on and makes money uh, based on what comes out of Congress. And um, she's passing and pushing all of these uh, socialist agenda issues. But when she's questioned about investing, she used the word capitalist. So um, real, real conflict of interest there for sure. Also, I hate to tell you this, but taxpayers could be in for a frustrating season when it comes to following their taxes this year, according to the Treasury Department. They let us know that this week. So the IRS is going to start accepting and processing 2021 returns on January the 24th. And the filing deadline for most taxpayers will be April the 18th, the agency announced. But the IRS commissioner said planning for the nation's filing season process is a massive undertaking. And IRS teams have been working nonstop these past several months to prepare. That's what the IRS commissioner said. Well, no, duh. Is this the first year for filing tax returns? Like you've. It's never been done before or the Treasury Department wasn't around. It was just invented. I mean, this happens every year, right? And hasn't the virus been around for years now? But no, that's that's what we're hearing that, you know, it's going to be an issue. We're really gearing up that and uh, they wanted to spend all that money on new IRA agents to snoop. And investigate everybody if you had, you know, a transaction of over 600 bucks. How about infrastructure, real infrastructure and updates at the IRS instead of wasting money on, you know, growing the government? How about taking care of what's there? And lastly, I'll share with you the latest risk perception from the World Economic Forum shows that the vast majority of respondents were either concerned or worried about the outlook for the world. So this is an international agency. They were warning that the lack of op- optimism threatens to fuel, quote, a vicious cycle of disillusionment and social unrest. Oh, man, we don't need more of that protesting, the burning, 
destruction of property, the violence, injuries, the death. But that's what these, uh, you know, these bigwigs are saying. 84% of the respondents expressed pessimism about the world outlook. And they were talking about, again, these are the things that we all know about, we deal with every day, supply chain disruptions, inflation, labor market gaps, uh, educational disparities, which, you know, they want to get rid of what D's and E's now on your report card. I don't know how that's going to help with what they're calling educational disparities. It's going to add to it. It's going to really water down the wine, right? I mean, that's what government's doing right now, lowering expectations, conditioning people um, to, uh, you know, not have what America is capable of producing and creating. So, you know, these are the guys that they talk about their net zero transition. Um, They all fly in their private jets to the Davos Symposium, all the wannabes, you know, the the business people, the the bankers, the Federal Reserve official, um, the uh, the actors that you know again want to act like that they know what's going on, um, but they're they're all war- warning of this uh, social unrest. That's just that's scary that they're using those words. Um, so our uh, complimentary white paper for you is uh, at murrayfinancialgroup.com. It's titled Inflation in Your Retirement. Are you prepared for rising costs? Gives you a real nice insight as to what inflation is, how it impacts you, um, and what that means. So go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, and uh, and it's right there on the home page. You just click the button and get the uh, complimentary uh, download to your email. back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And also you can download that free app. Um, some quick economic data. We've been talking about, obviously, inflation a lot. we got a lot of data on inflation. The National Federation of Independent Businesses, they came out with their Small Business Optimism Index. And it was up uh, a half a point to a reading of 98.9 in December. Um, still, you know, you look at the key findings when I was reading the report, 22% uh, report inflation as a single most important problem in operating their business. Owners are expecting uh, better business conditions over the next six months. Uh, so that was good to see. But again, 49% of owners reported job openings that could not be filled, which is not what you want to hear. Um, and then, um, we saw that the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, 
came out. Uh, it showed inflation rose at the fastest pace in almost four decades, almost 40 years. So you've got these rapid price gains fueled by consumer fears about the economy. You see Biden's approval rating just literally tumbling uh, as the CPI came in at 7% in December from where it was a year ago, making it the fastest increase since June of 1992. Um, and it didn't matter, you know, what you were looking at, gasoline, energy prices, health care, groceries, <clears throat> excuse me, rents, uh, you name it. I mean, gasoline on average is up 50% more than where it was a year ago. So, um, you know, this is just it's hurting ordinary people, man. It's it's really, really a shame and it's totally unnecessary. But again, you saw uh, the government just spending way too much money creating these problems. And then with shutdowns of impacting the ports, the uh, railroads, truckers, and they're still trying to do that. So um, this is a lot of this is self-induced and it's really a shame. And then we look at wholesale prices, which is, you know, before it makes its way to us for the businesses, they rose at the fastest pace on record in December. The Labor Department said that the producer price index was up 9.7 percent in December from where it was a year ago. And it marked the highest figure on record since the government began tracking. Um, it, this is just a real, real serious problem, and everybody knows it. So um, hopefully we'll get some leadership. I'm not holding my breath on that for sure um, because so far it's been non-existent, literally. Not just with uh, Biden himself, but with his handlers who are even writing the things that the guy's trying to say. I mean, I— it, you know, I didn't know that you could get worse in the Obama administration for novices, but you literally you're seeing it right now. I mean, we're we're living in it. The other thing we saw is after that terrible jobs report last Friday, only one hundred ninety nine thousand people added to the rolls in December. Oh, and by the way, the one thing that I wanted to share with you is the unemployment rate came down, but that's because a lot of people are leaving uh, the workforce and not even bothering to to, to look for work. Um, but when you looked, whether you uh, dropped out of high school or you got a master's degree, anywhere in between, um, the rate improved a little bit. And then when you looked at um, the races, you saw that white, Hispanic, Asian, those numbers improved. The numbers for blacks, the unemployment rate actually went up to 7.1%. So this is, again, something that you hear from the administration who they're trying to help. They're really hurting these people with their policies. And it's a, it's a real shame. And then we saw on Thursday, the jobless claims come out. They were worse than what was anticipated and expected. So last week, 230,000 people filed for first time initial jobless claims and for help. That was more than the week before. It was worse than what analysts were looking for. So um, not good in that area either. Definitely uh, some work to be done there. Um, take a quick break, then we're going to jump into our subject of supply chain issues, especially when it comes to the meat industry. 
Um, I guess Mr. Bullard will be joining me uh, on the other side of this. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Right on the homepage, click Get My Copy. Uh, it's an instant download, and uh, it's titled Inflation in Your Retirement. Are you prepared for rising costs? Great timing to understand what inflation is actually about and how it's impacting people. So stay tuned for that. Back in a minute. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And of course, as a podcast at Apple Podcast. Uh, so you can re-listen to a program or share it with someone uh, if you find it interesting and helpful. Today's a great uh, topic that I love to stay on top of. Um, it's uh, even more uh, relevant than normal because of um, some of the inflation problems, obviously, that we're having that's raging, uh, some of the uh, supply chain issues that we're having, and just some of the struggles that the uh, the, the beef and uh, industry has in particular. And a friend of the p- program, Mr. Bill Bullard, he's the CEO of RCAF USA, is uh, back to uh, give us an update on what's going on in that area. Good morning, Mr. Bullard. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, thanks so much for taking time, uh, as as you do a couple few times a year, to give us an update. Um, I guess uh, tell us real quick, in case for our new listeners, uh, about RCAF USA, what you guys do and what you're all about. We're a national organization that exclusively rep- represents the interests of the American cattle farmer and rancher. So we represent the actual farmers and ranchers who raise and sell cattle, but we don't represent the rest of the supply chain, the uh, meat packers and processors and distributors and retailers. We only represent the farmers and ranchers. And unfortunately, those farmers and ranchers have been struggling to try to return uh, in the marketplace their cost of production. They're operating in a market that's fundamentally broken. Okay, so um, tell us uh, how things, uh, you know, with the virus and the whole mess, um, Mm -hmm. things obviously are impacting every business out there uh, and the the supply chain. What's going on with, uh, with that area right now for you guys? Well, if we look at the continuum, we know that back in 2015, there was a fundamental disconnect between the value of beef that consumers pay at the grocery store and the price of cattle that America's ranchers receive. And so since 2015, this disconnect occurred. And as we moved further in time, we hit 2017, and suddenly retail beef prices started skyrocketing and cattle prices continued their downward trend So we had these two price points moving in exactly the opposite direction, which is a clear indication of severe market failure. And then we hit the market shocks. The first was the closure of a plant in Holcomb, Kansas, that represented about 5% of the production of beef. But when that plant was temporarily closed because of a fire, 
it completely disrupted even further the already broken marketplace. We saw beef prices rising. We saw cattle prices falling. And soon thereafter, we hit the COVID pandemic in March. And that's for the first time consumers went to the grocery store and could not buy the protein they needed for their family. The beef shelves were empty. And that was a wake-up call to America that there are severe problems within the largest segment of American agriculture, and that's the U.S. live cattle industry. And now consumers are acutely aware that the entire distribution system is fundamentally broke and needs some immediate attention by Congress and our regulators. So um, I know you, uh, you're you uh, actively involved uh, in overseeing that and those changes. Um, and on your homepage at r-calfusa.com, you have, uh, we need your help. Currently, we have fights on three main fronts. Uh, tell us about protecting America's meatpacking workers. Well, um, th- that's an important bill that was introduced by a, a senator who has little to do, little or nothing to do with cattle. Uh, instead, it was Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey who's concerned about the conditions that uh, meatpacking workers have been suffering under, particularly during the COVID pandemic. He's offered some reforms to improve worker conditions, but in his bill, he included some significant reforms for the cattle industry itself, reforms that would help to restore the competition that has been purged from throughout the live cattle and beef supply chains. And that's the most important thing we can do right now is to reinsert competitive market forces so that they can begin to fight against the abuse of market power that's inherent in an industry where you have four packers controlling 85 percent of the fed cattle market. So let's talk about that for a second to educate or uh, refresh our listeners on exactly what that statement means about those uh, four big companies. So you've got four big companies controlling 85% of the fed cattle market. They act as gatekeepers. They can prevent independent farmers and ranchers from gaining timely access to the marketplace. They've initiated certain cattle procurement methods that are anti-competitive that have the effect of reducing and eliminating competition along the supply chain. So we've gone to Congress and said we need triage. Number one, we need consumers to be able to reinsert competition by giving them the opportunity to choose from where they want their beef produced. Right now, we the meat packers are importing beef from 20 different countries, and they're selling it to unsuspecting consumers without a label that, that denotes the country of origin. In fact, in some instances, they're actually selling it to consumers with a product of USA label on beef products that are exclusively produced in foreign countries. So when consumers can begin to choose to, to uh, indicate their preference in the grocery store and choosing to select a product that is born, raised, and harvested in the United States, then they will send a competitive demand signal to the meat packers to replenish that source. And the meat packer can go to one source and one source only. He has to go to the American rancher in order to satisfy that demand that the consumer has signaled. And that will increase demand for Americans. American cattle, and that would help the American rancher. And uh, so that's step one. Step two, we have to restore the competition for cattle themselves. Right now, the packers have been shifting large volumes of cattle out of the competitive price discovery market and placing them in unpriced formula or forward contracts. And as a result, we've lost the competitiveness for our domestic cattle in our own domestic markets. 
So the triage measures is, number one, restore mandatory country of origin labeling for beef so consumers can initiate demand signals. Number two, we restore competition in the cattle market so the meat packers are actually forced to compete for their cattle even though they have such a dominant position in the marketplace. You know, Mr. Bullard, you know, this always boggles my mind, and I'm sure most people also, but why would we allow uh, beef to be shipped in from another country and labeled USDA? Well, because this entire industry has been engineered and shaped to benefit the, uh, the financial interests of the multinational meat packers, and it's to their benefit to be importing beef from Namibia, Africa, from Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina, Canada, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, or any one of the other 20 countries, total 20 countries, and to bring it into the United States market, put a product of USA label on it, and they know then that the American consumer would likely pay more for that beef because they would believe that they were actually supporting the domestic supply chain. They would be supporting the American cattle farmer and rancher when nothing could be further from the truth. They're being deceived, and they're being deceived by government policies that have been in effect for a long time. And the uh, Congress and the administration has been held at bay by the tremendous political power enjoyed by the multinational packers that control such a dominant position in the food industry. Yeah, and let our listeners know who owns uh, those big uh, th- those big corporations. Well, that's uh, disconcerting. You have four large packers controlling 85% of the market, and two of them are Brazilian-owned. Uh, JBS is a Brazilian-owned company, so too is Marfrig, and they own two of the four largest beef processors in the United States of America. And that should raise some red flags about our nation's food security, Uh, and that would be exacerbated by what we already know about our food security, and that's that it's vulnerable and that it has been tested and it failed. And uh, Congress needs to fix it, but they're reluctant to take steps necessary to reform the broken marketplace yeah and that's really a shame like you said um one thing we learned uh from the the virus and um there is i sometimes i say a silver lining but since so many souls have been lost uh here and around the world and also other all the other damage done it's hard to think of a silver lining but you know when it comes to supply chain uh issues like obviously food energy uh and others we learned that things are broken and um for them not to be fixed by elected officials is uh is is very very um i, I don't know it, it it's disheartening it it makes you almost sick that uh, that these people aren't doing their jobs um, but anyway, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk uh, more with my guest, Mr. Bill Bullard, and um, just kind of get a sense of, you know, how tough it is on these ranchers and cattlemen out there and how they're dealing with it, how the landscape has changed.
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, also you can download the free WFMD app and get uh, the Your Financial Editor program and all the other programming literally at your fingertips. And we're going to wrap up uh, on this side our conversation with my guest this morning, a friend of the program, Mr. Bill Bullard. He is the CEO of RCAF USA, and you can go to r-calfusa.com and learn in more detail about these important things that we're talking about when it comes to um, uh, ranchers and cattlemen um, and what's going on out there right now with our uh, supply chain, with anti-competitive uh, pressures that they have to deal with. Um, Mr. Bullard, you know, it's not just uh, these foreign meat packing companies and, and these politicians you have to deal with, uh, but you also have other government uh, agencies uh, like BLM, uh, Bureau of Land Management, that I know uh, a lot of your members have to deal with. How, are, how is that going for them these days? Well, it, it exacerbates the current problem, and the problem is is that for at least the past seven years, cattle producers have been receiving severely depressed prices, prices that would not allow them to recover their cost of production from the marketplace. As a result, we're losing even more cattle producers. Now, we've already lost over half a million of them just in the last few decades, 544,000 to be exact. That's about 40% of all of America's cattle ranchers that were in business just a few decades ago are gone today. And because it's the largest segment of American agriculture, it's critically important to the economic viability of rural communities all across America, particularly in the West. And in the West, as you talked about, where you have federally managed lands, there used to be a policy that says we want independent cattle producers on these lands, managing these lands, but the, the government has changed that policy and now says we'd like to reduce the number of cattle producers who are operating on these federal lands. And as a result, we see even a greater stress on the ab- ability of independent producers to stay in business. So we don't have the, the most recent census data to see what has happened through this COVID pandemic era. But we are very fearful that we have lost many, many more cattle producers. We already know we've lost 75 percent of the independent feedlots. And these are family-owned farmer feeders that used to feed the cattle prior to, to harvest. And they're gone today. So we're losing the critical competitive infrastructure in the industry that is absolutely essential to maintain and sustain a competitive industry itself. And once we lose that uh, lose the critical mass of, of the competitive infrastructure, it's game over for our industry. Our U.S. cattle industry and the American rancher uh, will never again look like what we, we know it to be today. In other words, the industry is changing, changing fast. It's becoming skeletonized, decentralized, and uh, we're eliminating cattle producers and uh, and this is a threat to our nation's food security, a threat to the consumer. The consumer knows it today. They're paying superinflated prices for beef while cattle producers are receiving depressed prices. This is a serious, serious crisis that has not yet gained the attention it deserves. Yeah, and that's why we like to talk about it here, just to keep everybody in the loop as a reminder and to get involved and uh, talk with their congressmen and senators and, and, and get them to do what they need to do instead of kicking the can down the road uh, and letting these other agencies 
like the USDA and others make these uh, these decisions. That's not the way America works. That's not the way that, that rules are made and laws are made. So um, it is very frustrating. And, um, you know, it's it's that's why I wanted to bring up the you know, the Bureau of Land Management. I saw a great uh, documentary uh, last week on YouTube, I think it's called the Arid West, uh, and it was about um, beef cattle and sheep ranchers, and uh, you know all that they have to do and and all their hard work. And then they had the BLM uh, say, "Hey, you've got six acres of wetlands in this area, so we're going to take." They literally took away ninety-two thousand acres of grazing land. Um, so a, a cattleman that thought that he could have a hundred head all of a sudden found out that, you know, they could only have three or 400 and they had already spent all the money uh, on buying the ranch and, you know, the, the infrastructure, et cetera. So uh, there's a lot of battles that these, uh, these ranchers uh, are really dealing with. No question about it. And, and you know, the citizens need to under, need to realize that we need to strike a balance. <clears throat> the United States needs to be able to produce the food for self-sufficiency. That it, that equates to our national security. Uh, but we should learn the lessons that we've learned during the pandemic, that when we offshored our production and manufacturing capacity, we found shortages in the United States. The same is happening in our food. And when we look at government policies that limit or restrict the ability of cattle producers to manage the land as they know best, um, what we're doing is actually harming our ability to maintain that food self-sufficiency. And we're going to become even more dependent on foreign sources, not just for goods and services, uh, but for the food itself. And that's absolutely the wrong direction for the United States to go. And consumers should call their members of Congress immediately and tell them, for the, at the very least, give me the opportunity to choose from where I want my beef produced. Yeah, no, and again, I couldn't agree with you more. And the other thing, and I think we touched on this our our last visit, is <clears throat> so many, uh, or at least in our area, there are a lot of uh, people, a lot of farmers, small farmers, that are raising their own uh, protein and uh, taking it to local um, local markets where people can go in and know that their food came from it number one it was american uh, and it was local and that it was cared for and doctored and raised properly uh before it was harvested and made available to them uh in that market so i encourage people you know you should do that the the way my family does it is through uh the annual 4-h sale at our fair oh, yeah. so you know we get to support the the kids who have done a fantastic job in raising their project, and then we know exactly what we're uh, putting into our bodies. Right. Well, your listeners can go to usabeef.org, usabeef.org, and find cattle producers that will sell beef directly to consumers. That's a growing niche market, uh, and we've supported that for many years. Well, thank you for supporting that. And like I said, that's really growing around here as well, and um, I love it. I think it's great, and it's another way to – kick those foreign owners in the teeth because uh, like you said this is just like so many things it's about power and money and uh, what gets done and what doesn't get done and who gets taken care of and who doesn't and um, I think most people I would say if not all 
have a real soft spot in their heart for the uh, American rancher and cattlemen and the dairy farmers out there and the poultry folks, everybody that, you know, gets up every day to make sure we can eat. So uh, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you fighting uh, and sharing the stories and the updates uh, with us. And I hope to talk to you again later in the year. Thank you very much, Chris. All right, Mr. Bollard. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule and uh, joining us. Uh, You know, folks, this is so important. Um, So, again, you can go to r-calfusa.com. You can go to uh, beef.org, I think Mr. Bollard just said. Um, But support local people, um, the farmers that are here, that that are getting it done. We don't need that stuff from from outside. Uh, We have plenty of what we need right here, and the people that are doing the work should get our hard-earned money uh, as opposed to um, somebody that we'll never know or or ever see. So, um, you know, again, I would just encourage you to – uh, to, to contact those folks and, and get things done. Um, and uh, that does it for us. I'll see you on the Morning News Express uh, with Bob Miller and Ryan Hedrick at 5.56, a.m. every weekday morning uh, where we do our live updates. And then we'll be here uh, again next Saturday um, morning to uh, and afternoon to do uh, another edition of the Your Financial Editor program. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. 930 WFMD Sports Update. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Kevin Figures. In the NBA, the Warriors improved to 31 and 11 with a blowout victory over the Bulls in Chicago. Steph Curry scoring 19 points for the GSW Hoops, while Zach Levine left the game in the first quarter with a knee injury. He will have an MRI later today. The Suns have the best record in the NBA at 32 and 9 after a 112 to 94 win over Indiana. A triple double for Luka Doncic and a Mavericks win over the Grizzlies. Wins for Cleveland, Miami, and Philadelphia. In NFL news, the Patriots will be without left tackle Isaiah win against Buffalo today as he deals with hip and ankle injuries. Steelers running back Najee Harris did practice on Friday, but is questionable for Sunday's game in Kansas City with an elbow injury. Eagles running back Miles Sanders will play on Sunday against Tampa. He missed the last two regular season games after undergoing surgery for a broken hand. In college football, Todd Graham resigned as the head coach at the University of Hawaii. College Hoops wins for 7th-ranked Purdue and number 25, Illinois. I'm Kevin Figures. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. Seven o'clock.